Hello everyone, welcome back to episode 5 of the PSA podcast. Tonight we are delighted to have on current Dundalk Head of Academy and former One Point Time Manager, Stephen McDonald. Alright Stevie, you're very welcome to the PSA podcast. How's things going with yourself? Not bad, yeah. Trying to trying to walk up a nice balance here with, with COVID, what we can and can't do. <laughs> Yes, it's frustrating at the minute with very little football, but suppose you fall under the elite bracket so you can do a wee bit. Yeah, yeah. Look, at the moment, um, obviously doing a lot of kind of work around the office and building presentations for the academy. Um, but I'm, I'm lucky enough at the moment that I've been on the pitch with the first team every day. So um, I suppose getting a little uh, coaching fix that way. So um, Fantastic. Yeah, so not, not, not so bad here at the moment anyway. Cool. So, Stevie, we'll we'll touch on your on your new role slightly later on. But just to get us started, I want to kind of take you back to your to your early playing days. You know, what what team did you start with? What position did you play? You know, how did you just find football in general whenever you were just growing up as a as a young kid? Yeah. Well, um, I think from 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 early on, I was always going to play football. It was something. You know, back then in, in, in the in the mid nineties, um, every kid was on the street with a ball. Um, we hadn't got the distraction of of playstations and and everything else that comes with that of, of, of these days. So, um, as I say, quite early on, you know, playing football on the streets every day, and I ended up then signing for for my local club, which is Key Celtic. Um, yeah, and really, really from there, that's kind of how I stumbled into it. At seven years of age, I think I I, I was registered to play with, with Key Celtic at the time. So that was kind of my first introduction to to football, I suppose. Um, and like everything, uh, for, for for most young lads starting out, it just it just evolved from there, really. Um, before you know it, you're playing with with your own age group, the age group above. You're starting to show some. Um, levels of, of competency and you know you're starting to to improve on a, on a weekly monthly yearly basis so mm-hmm. it was just one of them ones um parents get you in and just guide you along the way and yeah for me i played all me all me football for for key celtic um for for them kind of young development ages so then was there a point maybe when you got a little older maybe into your teen early teens whatever you kind of you obviously had a lot of ability and, and things started to progress and, and you were maybe getting noticed or you were getting, you know, people talking about you or, or what was kind of the next step before you got your, your big move? Yeah, so like obviously um, at under 12s, which was a couple of years, obviously me then, you know, involved in football, um, under 12s here in the dock would be kind of, the first age group from a representative point of view. So you the league representative team. Um, and that was my first kind of step to a better level of football. So obviously the best 20 players within the league were selected for, for that squad. And you were going, you were playing the Umbro Cup. And then obviously the next age up would be the Kennedy Cup in Limerick. And then obviously your Milk Cup up in up in Coleraine, etc. So um yeah, so the, that kind of that kind of was the first um that was the first step towards I suppose more serious football, um getting selected for that on the 12 panel and, and from there 
as I say, gathering gathering lots of interest. And shortly after that, about yeah, about halfway through through me being twelve years of age, I went on my first uh, my first UK trial to to Man United. So that's kind of where everything kind of exploded for a couple of years uh, around around myself. Um, I went to United, and then from there. You know, you go and you, you play in the Kennedy Cup and you do really well at under 13 level. Um, it's kind of a hotbed for, for UK clubs to come at the time um, to really see the next, you know, all the next best players from, from, from Ireland. So, um, yeah, went to that and, and off the back of that then went on a number of trials to Celtic, Reading, Aston Villa. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of was the, the real... I suppose break for me, um, and as as I say, then going to the Mill Cup. Um, when I was going to the Mill Cup, I already had a contract offer on the table from the from the various trials that I had attended, um, and that was from Celtic. So going to the Mill Cup, I kind of had my mind made up, but I was keeping the the door open for any um, further further options, which. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately came my way, you know. Uh, Reading and, and 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 Aston Villa came in last minute um, to try and, and, and prize me to their academy. But I had a good feeling from from my trials um, at Celtic. I had a good feeling around Tommy Burns at the time. Is is was the academy manager who signed me and made me feel very um, very welcome. And I suppose sold sold it to me that you know. I needed to come to Celtic, so yes. that's that. That was a decision I, I I ultimately made, but obviously I didn't move till I was sixteen. So that decision was kind of made leading into the Mill Cup, which was under fourteen at the time. Um, so shortly after the Mill Cup, I had made the decision that I was going to sign for Celtic, which ultimately I went on to do. Um, again, once I'd done that, that opened up the whole international scene then because. Again, down here it was under fifteen would have been the first kind of international squad. Um, so again, shortly after the Mill Cup and just after signing for Celtic, the whole assessment period would have started for for the national team down here. So just just before you you, you make your move, I just want to back up as a probably thirteen fourteen year old. Was football all you all you lived for? Was that your main your main focus? Were you determined to be a footballer and and that was it, or were you just kind yeah. of taking it, were you just taking it in your stride to see what happened, or were you had your you got your your head set on on becoming a footballer? Yeah, no, I like at, at that point, um, you know, I had I proven to myself that you know, geez, I've got I've got a lot to offer here, so. Um, you know, quickly that registered in my brain that you know I was going to go, I was going to go all out for this. Um, school, I was a good student in school, but it was you know it was never a strong point, and I never had ambitions to go on and be be anything or, or go to college. It wasn't something I would have thought about back then, being so young. But football was something that was quite evident. You know, it was every single day, whether it was on the street or with the local club or the representative team, it was something that. I wanted to do, and I always wanted to be the best and, and be competitive. Anytime I had a ball at my ball at my feet, so for me, you know, as I say, early on that that decision was made in my head, um, and obviously, you know, people around you then just kind of help and guide you do that, you know, to try and and, and ultimately go on and, and, and enjoy what you do, you know. So, 
as I said early on, that was that was a decision that that I kind I kind of came to. So, as a sixteen-year-old boy from Ireland, would you say signing for Celtic was 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 the dream move? Was it was the ultimate move for you? Yeah, well, funny enough, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have been. You know, I wouldn't be a fan of Celtic. I wasn't a fan. You know, most kids, most kids from from the south here would be. You know. Would be Celtic fans. I was a gunner, so I was an Arsenal yes. man. Um, so if Arsenal had a came knocking, I would have jumped, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no. Listen, for me, obviously, the day you know the whole Irish connection with Celtic, and even when I was over there in trial, you know, uh, players from the south of Ireland were quite well represented in in Celtic. You know, I think there might have been nearly double figures across the academy. Um, in terms of Irish lads, so yeah. for me it was it was it was um, it was comfortable. It was a comfortable decision to go and make because you can relate to a lot of people. Um, so yeah, but listen, to 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 be a sixteen-year-old kid to get the opportunity to go into a full-time academy environment like that, regardless if it was Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, down in England and Manchester, wherever. It's it's always a, a, a dream, you know, to yeah. be a footballer first and foremost. But um, but yeah, no, listen, it was as I say, it was quite comfortable for me because I knew, kind of had a, you know, as I said, that real Irish connection that was was quite evident there at Celtic at the time. Mm-hmm. So you move over to Celtic as a sixteen-year-old, and you know, were you did you take to it easily? Was it hard to kind of get settled? Were you just did you settle in really quick, or how did you find your first maybe? couple of months your your initial move yeah so um my 16th birthday fell on uh, falls on the month of march um so i actually went across for kind of like a, a break-in period so march april may i was over there for three months just to ease me in and then obviously we would finish up kind of the back end of may for for a period of time for about four or five weeks and then you report back for pre-season. So as I said, I was quite, I was quite blessed with how how my birthday felt, and um, as I said, that wee introductory period kind of gave me a taste of it. Um, and then you were home for a wee bit, and then you were gone back. But like overall, I, I to be honest, I settled quite, I settled quite well. Um, I stayed in digs with with another Irish lad, Richie Toll, and uh, we had an Italian lad uh, from from Milan, um, Luca. Lucas Santino Chito, who just signed from Inter Milan for, yes. I think he might have signed for maybe 90k, 100k. He was a big prospect. Um, uh-huh. So I, I, I shared digs with them. But again, as I said, we had, you know, we were well looked after. Uh, for me, you know, I settled simply because we were on the we were on the football pitch every single day, and you were reporting for for nine o'clock, and you weren't home till four o'clock, so you were doing your school hours time you go home you know you didn't have too much time to think about things you are you're, you're you're putting the feet up and getting ready for the next day getting prepared in your mind refueling the body with some food etc and so yeah look it was it was quite an easy transition for me and, and one i enjoyed fantastic so could you just maybe take us through your time at Celtic briefly uh, any highlights how you got on how you progressed yeah, so like obviously like everything, you know, a kid coming from from whether it's the north or the south of Ireland, you know, we haven't got we haven't got the luxury of a full time you know, we haven't got full time. I know it's different now, like obviously we've got the 
residential academies and stuff for the elite players uh, up in, in Jordanstown, etc. But like, you know, back, as I say, back then, you're talking 15 years ago, um, you hadn't got the luxury of, of, of getting that much contact. So, as I said, naturally, you know, naturally every player developed and, and progressed and I was no different. Um, however, for me, I was slightly unlucky. Uh, the man who had signed me, Tommy Burns, unfortunately, Tommy, Tommy passed away at the time, passed away. So that, that kind of introductory period that I had of the two and a half months, you know, prior to the summer break, Tommy, Tommy was struck down. Tommy, um, Tommy battled cancer two or three times over his over his life, and, and unfortunately, Tommy had passed away. Um, and you know, when something like that happens, obviously it's 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 you know it's, it hits a club like Celtic, especially the, the many roles he fulfilled. He was first team coach, academy manager, etc. Um, and like you know, for for me, it was I I was you know up against it straight away. Like as I said. The whole lure of me going to, to Celtic was was Tommy Burns. That you know that man convinced me it was the right club, and you know I was going there specifically to work with him. And unfortunately for me, that that never quite materialised. Um, so you know we we, we got a new um, at the time there was a, a new academy manager come in, Chris McCart from Motherwell, who's still currently in in the post to this day. You know, and obviously I wasn't one of Chris kind of signings. You know, and it just. Mm-hmm. For one reason or another, um, it just never seemed to to click. I never seemed to fit from a football point of view, um, which is crazy. 16, 17 years of age, you know, mm-hmm. it should always be around development. But as I said, um, for me, um, I didn't quite get the game time that I would have probably, you know, assuming that I probably would have got. But... Um, yeah, so it was it was it was a challenge in, in that regard that I had to try and overcome at a, at a young age. You know, I, I went to Celtic, the, the dream had been sold, and I was looking forward to going and working under Tommy, which which never which never materialised, and now I had to adapt early on. And um, as I said, yes, I certainly did get better, but there was a serious lack of game time there for the just show you two or just over two years I'd spent um, at the club. Um, spent over two over 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 two years of a three-year contract. So we'd cut the I'd cut the contract short on my own behalf, um, purely based off, you know, f- not for for lack of game time, etc. You know, because at that at that stage of my my young career, um, I had been doing quite well with the national team. I had been representing the national team um, at my own age group. I had been representing the national team at the age group above. I've been doing really, really well. Um, in 2000 and 2010, I received um, the Under-17 International Player of the Year Award. So I was doing quite well from, a, from a, an international perspective. And I felt I was still at an age where I could make a change and try and progress myself further. Because as I said, it just... The, the lack of game time um, at Celtic was 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 going to hinder me with the national team, which in the long run would just hinder you full stop as 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 a young footballer. So, um, as I say, just over two years into into the three year contract, I decided to, to part ways with Celtic, um, with the hope of of trying my trying my luck down down south in England. So, um, 
yeah, once we'd agreed that, I went on, on, on two trials. I'd went to, to Wolves and I'd went to, to Bolton, but you're no longer going as a 16-year-old academy kid. You're going there at 18 and you're, you're, you're uh, technically competing for a professional contract because the way they had it down south in comparison to, to Scotland was you obviously have your, your, your scholarship and your, your, your... So normally it's like a two-and-a-one. You'd get your two-year scholarship and your one-year pro deal, where in Scotland it was all professional at the time. So you were going from, from professional to, you know, you were going down there and you were having to go professional because you were too, you were too old for the, uh, for the scholarship program. So, you know, you're going in and you're in the round. Like I remember going to Wolves and, you, you know, you're, you're, you're trialling, but you're trialling and you're training with the first team because that's where they want to see you. They're looking at you, an 18-year-old kid, and if we're going to sign you, we need to, we need to see how you would fit within a within a first-team environment. And if you were good enough, you'd probably then go and rep, be represented at reserve level. So, you know, I within, within there, Mick McCarthy was the manager at the time, so I'd gone in at a good week. But it, again, they were only promoted to the, to the Premiership. And, you know, I was quite a, a, technic, a technical player. Um, you know, I wasn't the biggest of, of lads. I still am still, still, still not the biggest. Um, you know, and at the time, as I say, Wolves were only up and it was all hustle-bustle football and, you know, it was quite direct. So I kind of even knew from the first couple of days that it wasn't, it wasn't a good, it was never going to be a good fit and the likelihood of me getting something was, was very slim, which, which proved the case, you know. Um, from there, I went to, to Bolton where Owen Coyle was the gaffer at the time. Um, went in and I trained with their reserve for a week. Done quite well, but again, nothing never really materialised from it. Um, so I kind of had all this going on, you know, no, no club, and I'd have been going for assessments with some clubs while still playing for the national team um, any time they were called upon. So shortly after them trials, I decided, you know, it's, it's, it's probably time to, to come back home and, and, and chance my luck um, with a League of Ireland club and, and, and get some experience and exposure in a senior environment and hopefully that could act as a springboard to then maybe get back across the water, you know, so. So just at your time at Celtic, even though, you know, it didn't work out for you, is there anybody out of your age group that's still in the game to this day or playing across the yeah, water? Or? Yeah, yeah. So like, um, I suppose it's the kind of, the standard names or the names that are still well represented within, within some of the leagues would be, but still at Celtic, give James Forrest and Callum McGregor. They would have been in the round our group at the time. Um, James is a year older than me. Callum's a year younger than me. But we would have been, because we were all in, full, all in full time, you know, you would kind of have 16, 17, 18-year-olds all training together, you know. So that's kind of the way, the way it operated. So them two are still obviously at Celtic. Declan Gallagher um, is at Motherwell, big centre-back. He's a Scottish international. Big Declan's still... still playing within within the Scottish top flight and obviously Richie Tyler, Richie done something similar to myself. He came back, he played for the off and that kind of springboard is his um opportunity back to Brighton. He was at Brighton for a number of years and loan at Rotterdam and he's now at Salford. Um so yeah so they'd be kind of the, the names that are still quite relevant um that people would probably be more aware of that that would have been that would have been the age group that kind of you know the era that he was there. And the likes of Cal McGregor and that, could, could you tell when you were training with them from a young age that they were really going to make it? Or did you kind of think to yourself, 
you know, I'm in and around this kind of level myself. Did they just get a wee bit yeah. more luck? Did they get a wee break? Or just how, how, how do you think that maybe fell for them? Yeah, listen, absolutely. Like, everyone that was there was, you know, was was competent and, and of a decent, decent level. Um, you know, in football, as, as we all know, it's the right place, right time, right people. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be a really, really good player in the wrong environment at the wrong time with the right person, but it still doesn't work as a whole package. So mm-hmm. for me, it's all about, you know, the right club, the right time and the right person, the right style of play. If you get a lot of them, and that's what I would call luck, if you get a lot of them things that go for you, um, you know, the opportunity becomes greater and it becomes more realistic. Where, as I said, if if you find yourself in, in, in a slightly different environment with at the wrong time or with the wrong people, you know, that's kind of how you you slip through the radar and, and, and ultimately you kind of fall through the levels and find yourself playing at a, at a lower level that you probably once thought, geez, you, you would never get to that level. But, but certainly the, them couple of names I mentioned, you know, you, you could see, like you could see from a young age, like, you know, if they had the ability, it's just, it's getting them bits of luck and at the right time, you know, and luckily for them, they developed in, in, in an individual way and, and got the opportunity. Um, like even Jamesy, Jamesy Forrest went straight, like he he went straight into 21s with Lennon at the time and then obviously Lennon getting the first team gig, you know, you get them bits of luck. Yeah. You know, he obviously was able to see what he could deliver um, in, in the reserve environment. So, you know, for James, it was it was quite straightforward the likes of Callum spent some time I think down at Notts County in League 2 you know which for Callum he was very very technical still is he's an excellent footballer um, but probably needed that kind of physicality um, you know I suppose he needed to be up against that physicality to see how he could compete so mm-hmm. his loan move to Notts County probably proved that geez, you know he can actually do it so Again, probably got him in and around the environment. That was probably a test of character and a test of ability. And he passed that test. And again, ultimately, probably got the opportunity based off the loan deal and then goes in and plays first team and has been an ever-present since and both full international um, players. Um, Richie, again, I think made his debut, played twice for, for Lennon, went alone to Hibbs, half in and got tons of exposure, um, played a lot of games. Came back to Celtic, didn't get his deal renewed. Um, when he probably thought, "Geez, you know, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna go on and have a career here," to not getting a deal. So I think you know Richie was was an interesting one. He decided to to come back home um, for a period of time and, and and see what he could do. You know, and for him, he went to the dock again. Right place, right time, right manager. Played under Stephen Kenny. Right style of play, and Doc went on and, and, and dominated for a number of years. And, and Richie, for the first couple of years, the early years, was was a major part within that. And um, had one superb year where he scored 25 plus goals from midfield and, you know, got got loads of attraction from the UK and ultimately signed for Chris Hutton at, at, at Brighton when they were in the championship pushing for premiership promotion. So for Richie, coming home, finding, you know, the right club in the dock and the right manager in Stephen Kenny in terms of how he wanted to do things was the was the was the wee bit of luck he needed and as I say he got his opportunity based off 
what he had delivered with the dock and, and he goes and gets a three-year deal at Brighton and obviously a couple of loans to, to Rotterdam in between that. And then obviously he's, he's permanently at Salford now, you know. So, yeah, so that, as I say, they'd be the three kind of, they'd be the, the three figureheads that mm-hmm. would have been, you know, gone on and done a fair bit um, since, since my days there at Celtic, you know, in the early years. So, home then, back to Ireland, and Dundalk snapped you up. Was that, a, was that a no-brainer, or did you have a couple of different offers? Or Yeah, so, um, I know Dundalk was the only offer, because, um, yeah, there was nothing. Look, really, really, to be honest, there was nothing else on the table. Um, Dundalk's my, my, my hometown club. Um, at that point... Dundalk were entering the second season back in the Premiership. We've been we've been a we've been in the doldrums for a long time. Dundalk have been in the first division for a number of years, and then this was their when I returned home. This was their second season in the Premiership, and they just got a new manager, Ian Foster, who's new who's now involved with England under. Don't know, he could be involved. He was involved with the Seventeens, but I think he's now gone in with like the senior uh, ladies team. Um, with England, so he was the he was the manager at the time. Ian Foster, he's a he's a Liverpoolian, and uh, yeah, it was again. It was it was just perfect timing. Um, as I say, you know, Dundalk were going a slightly different direction. They were trying to get some of the best young players in the country, you know, along along with with some some experienced players. And for me, it was a perfect fish. And you know, we went on to have. A couple of good seasons, couple of good seasons at Dundalk, you know. So um, at that time for me, you know, the idea was sign here, try and get into the senior setting and play as much senior football as possible, which would have been very different to what I'd been used to with Celtic or even with the international team. Albeit the levels are very, very high technically and tactically, it doesn't it doesn't replicate senior football. Getting bashed by men and mm-hmm. getting it put up against you and you know, obviously, ultimately, not everybody was of a of a high technical and tactical level. So, you know, it was a very, very different environment, and it was kind of sink or swim, I suppose. But um, for me, that was you know the the whole thought process of signing for Dock was to get in, represent yourself well within the team, and then hopefully attract interest to go back across the water as a senior player even though you would have still been in your late teens. So that was the that was the initial thinking. And to be fair, after the first season, I maybe racked up something like 25 appearances and I'd managed to secure a trial to Queen's Park Rangers at the time. Um, so again, went, went across the water for, for an assessment. Nothing came of it, but again, that, that gave me a little bit of encouragement that what I did, for what I had went and on that first team level in that particular season had got somebody off their seat to come and watch in order for me to be to be getting on a flight to, to London to go to QPR. So, you know, that's that that was that was the idea. And you know, you go into the next season thinking, can you, you know, can you get more appearances? Can you attract more interest? And that that was generally the idea, you know. And um, was Dundalk full time at the time? Yeah, so when I came home, they were they were they were full time. We were, yeah, we were mornings. Um, a very different full time to Celtic, but we were full time nonetheless. You know that we could solely focus on 
on um on training like obviously i've been used to you know with celtic you know training maybe two pitch sessions a day or a pitch session and a gym session you know um, and then it was just you know because of probably at the time lack of facilities it was just pitch session that's you done boys we'll see you tomorrow you know but as i said it was still good we were full time and you didn't have to worry about taking up a, a side job or anything you know you were you were there as a full-time footballer and that suited because as I say you were coming coming from that environment you know so that was that was important mm-hmm. so uh, a couple of seasons at Dundalk yeah spent in total um four four seasons with Dundalk racked up about 70 I think about 75 appearances overall so um yeah and along the way we had a couple of cup finals um some uh European, we 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 the Europa Europa League, um, we we'd run in Europa League away to Leski Sofia. So we two, I think we two two years in a row with that. We 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 got into the Europa League positions and we'd managed to get um, some experience there as well. So that was all that was all invaluable. It was very good and very enjoyable um, experience. So what then took you away from Dundalk? So with Dundalk, my final year um, at Dundalk, I was 20 and it was my kind of, re, you know, at that stage I had been represented with the, with the national team from 15s right through to 19. So I'd rep, represented them at 16s, 17s and 18s. So for me, an ambition was, you know, to try and get captain on the 21 level. It was a personal goal of mine. And my final year at Dundalk, which would have been kind of the first year under Stephen Kenny before we went on and had all the success. Um, I felt that I was in the right place. I had the right manager. There was lots of good players in at the time, and and we we finished second that year and got to the semi final of the FEI Cup. But for me, game time was was massively limited, and you know, for me that was a concern. Like going forward, you know, you you couldn't take a new deal off the back of you know very little game time. And when I sat down at the end of that fourth year um, at the Dock with, with Stephen. Um, you know, I just said, listen, before we, we, we discuss anything, I think, you know, my time here is probably, is probably up. I, you know, I'm 21 now. I need to, I need to go and spread my wings and try and get regular game time. So at that, at that stage, I'd reckon that, you know, okay, the opportunity of the 21s is bypassed now because I'm that, I'm that year older now. And, and for me, it was about trying to just establish myself and get as much game time as possible. So, yeah, so I left on dock after that fourth season and signed for um, Johnny McDonald at Shelburne. Um, so I moved to Shells again. Shells is a big club. What they'd done previously was was probably, you know, historically they're probably a bigger club. Um, you know, going back and com- when you're comparing all the league titles they won 20 odd years ago and the Champions League run against La Coruña at the time and stuff like this. So for me, you know, again, you were going to shells who were who were who weren't the Premier, they weren't the first division, but ambition to try and get back into the Premiership. And and I just thought, you know, for me to go and play for a big club, um, but you know, almost get a, get a lot of game time. Um it was something I said, you know what, let, let's do this. So I decided to sign for shells, but it didn't work out to be honest, Matt. Um it just didn't work out. You know, I spent half a season there. Um, when I speak about right place, right time, right manager, 
all of the things weren't right. It wasn't the right place for me at the time, even though I thought, geez, you know, go and play. Um, again, no disrespect. I, I was probably a level or two ahead in terms of my technical and tactical um, ability. And just it just didn't work for me. And I found myself getting frustrated. And then there was a wee period of time where I was in the team and I was out of the team and it was all up in the air. And normally around June, we have a mid-season break here. You've got kind of two weeks without fixtures. And I went off and hold this with, with my partner, um, Talanza Roddy. And we just sat down and I just had a good chat with her. I was just like, where's this going? I was just like, right, I have to, I have to make a call here. I can't stay there. I just knew in my gut, you know, the bit of luck that I needed for that move, it wasn't, it wasn't there and it wasn't going to be there. So I made the decision when I, when I returned from Hollis that I wasn't going to return to, to Shelburne. And, and again, I uh, agreed to cancel my contract mutually because I felt I wasn't going to go anywhere. And then that's when I had looked at, right, well, what, what other possibilities is there? I had a, you know, had a period of time at the dock. That experience was over. I, I've, I've now took a move to Shelburne with the hope of you know, springboarding again and getting that regular game time to maybe get some notice didn't work out. So I I switched. I moved the goalpost completely and I had a look at, at up north. And obviously Warren Point at the time were only starting to progress as a club. Um, I think they were entering their second season in the Premiership um, under Barry Gray. And I think it was a second season. And obviously, Barry obviously had caught wind at the time that, you know, I was available. And I think um, Harry Fay was assistant at the time and, and Harry was aware of me because Harry would have been Johnny McDonald's assistant at Newry when Johnny McDonald was assistant at Newry. So obviously, with Johnny being at Shells and me leaving Shells, that kind of that kind of alerted them. And, and, and again, Barry and Harry between the two of them. Um, had persuaded me to come on board with Warren Point. So again, the idea was get into Warren Point, um, try and show the league what I could do, um, and hopefully get a bigger move to maybe a Linfield or wherever. But um, I was only a month in. I was a month in. Just I was, I was twenty-two. Just gone twenty-two um, before that midsummer break. Before I had left Shells and came to Warren Point. So I was twenty-two at this point, and. Yeah, I was a month into pre-season. We'd done pre-season. We did we a pre-season trip away to Russia. It was an unbelievable experience. Um, and then we returned and I played the first three games of the league. And yeah, I, I at that stage throughout my whole career, I had been getting re- you know regular screening with with um, with the matter in Dublin um, around a, an issue they'd found with my heart. And yeah, basically a month into the season, I remember it was around the 20, 22nd of August. There you go, even though the date. Um, yeah, basically it was curtains. I was advised to, to, to retire. Um, so again, we'll probably touch on that a wee bit more now because we've just thrown it in there. But like from when I went to Celtic to the stage of 22, you know, that six-year period, um, you know, something had flagged at Celtic when I'd done my, my medicals and from that point of the red flag um, over a six year period we had monitored um, a condition now, now we know what the condition is it's um, cardiomyopathy 
hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is quite evident actually in modern day modern day sport. And I think there's been a few footballers there over the last couple of months. I think uh, Daily Blind, he's one of them that springs to mind. Obviously, he had the the episode last year where he had dizziness on the pitch and was later diagnosed with the condition and had been defeated and um, had been fitted with a with an internal defib. Um, Scott Allen, who is at Hibs, there was just a piece done recently in him two weeks ago actually. He was um he was diagnosed with the condition, but obviously they're playing a proper, you know, real, real high-end football where you know they can put things in place and 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 there's probably a daily, daily regular routine for them guys. So yeah, so for me, you know, at 22 at Warren Point, you know, we were very much part-time and um, at the time I remember the doctor saying, listen, you can carry on, but you would be a major risk to yourself having a, a cardiac arrest on the pitch. So as I said, over that six-year period, we had been, we'd been tracking, we'd been tracking my, my heart and um, again, look, listen, never had an issue, never had, never had a symptom, still have never had a symptom, but you know, I've I've got a condition that is, you know, can be can be fatal if strikes. So um for me it was, you know, remove remove all risk and I took the advice of the medicals and, and retired at twenty-two. So yeah, so that kind of last that last move to Warren Point never really never really got going for me, you know. Um and that's that was my I suppose short career in a in a, in a nutshell, you know. Before I go any further, this podcast is brought to you by JN Hair. JN Hair have a fantastic hardware store and also offer plant hair. They also do a fantastic embroidery service, which we use here at PSA to get all our training gear badged up. Hit them up on Facebook, which will be linked in the description below, and contact them for any more information you may need. Just before we talk, we have more about the condition. When you're moving up north to Warm Point, and you get in and you kind of set yourself what bar the uh, part-time and full-time aspect what did you notice different about the leagues how did you compare the two leagues do you think obviously the league of ireland is a little bit good bit stronger back then but you know how did you feel moving into into the the irish league yeah listen back then um there was to be honest there was a huge difference in the in the two leagues even I remember like leaving shells who were first division and coming to Warren Point and there was a there was a golfing class even even with that gap and, and Warren Point were in the top flight. So um to gauge it against the Premier decline would have been massive. But I think when you look at the league now, listen, the the Irish League is 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 exceptional now. Some exceptional teams, a lot of full-time clubs, there's more clubs talking about going full-time. So where the where the Irish League has come has been absolutely incredible and I watch every single live game that's that's on BBC you know um, any game that's on I, I'm on it like I, I still have a massive interest in it yeah. when we can return to games I'll be I'll be I'll be I'll be uh, attending a lot of them but um, but back then you know there was a, there was a huge gap in, in terms of the two leagues and then for me obviously transitioning to becoming more part-time you know that was difficult Um you know, you're probably going from four or five contacts a week to two contacts Tuesday, Thursday. And, mm-hmm. you know, from a coaching point of view, I've been there, obviously, I've had the experience myself. It's very difficult to, to maximise training processes on two nights a week, you know. So for me as a player, it was like, geez, really difficult. So I actually ended up um, 
my kind of time at my time at Shelburne and my time at at, at uh, Warren Point, I had top goal with doing some CrossFit. So that was a, another way for me to kind of get gym work, but more conditioning in outside of football. So as I said, I I, I obviously upped the amount of time I was in 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 the gym, etc., to try and accommodate for for the lack of contact, you know. And then, as you said, things unfortunately had to come to an end. What what uh, did that condition restrict you from doing? Was it just endurance? Was it explosive work, or you know what kind yeah. of? Yeah. So every everything the game, Matt, everything the game um, asked for. So all the actions, the pressing, recovery runs, the dribbling, um, the third man runs getting on the ball, switching the play, backing it up, everything that is kind of high actions requires, you know, high exertion. That's basically it. So for me, you know, and for the medicals, the game of football, there's so many actions within a game of football that was going to have a physical demand on my heart, which meant that uh, the, the pump, the pump effect, the affection of the heart would, would be under a lot of stress. That's the way they looked at it. So they just basically said, you got to remove that. So like now, for example, like I, you know, I would go, I'd regularly go for a light jog, like a light, I'd go for a 5K there today, for example. No issues, no problem. I still do exercise, go lift some light weights, go walk the dog, stuff like that's no issue. But because the game is, you could be flattered, you could have made a, you know, you could have switched the play, back the play up, got into the box, you might have to transition to make a recovery run because there were so many actions within one minute. That was their concern that there's quite a lot, you know, there's quite a lot, it's quite intense. There's going to be a lot physically demanded from you as a player. So, you know, that there were the things we had to avoid. Obviously, even at the time I said I was doing CrossFit, a lot of 15-minute hit sessions within the, within CrossFit, like, you know, so all that type of stuff was a was a big no-no and a big, big grey area where it was just like that. You're better, you're better leaving that, leaving that be. So, listen, you're not going to go against the advice of, 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 of you know, highly qualified medicals. And as hard as it was, you, you had to accept it and, and, and get on with it. That's something, you know, it didn't come natural. It wasn't easy. Don't get it was, it was far from easy. You had to do a lot of transitioning and a lot of thinking. Geez, you know, Matt's been struck with really bad luck here. You know, what, where do I go from here? You know, um. How did you deal with it, and what was your kind of plan on your on your next move? Then, now having been involved in football pretty much full time for near enough all your life, what kind of was your next train of thought? Yeah, it was um, it was a difficult period, Matt. To be honest, like you know, um, you're confused. You're still trying to you're still trying to grasp your head around, you know, career's been and gone. I'm 22. What 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 am I doing? So. You know, I, I threw myself into a sports therapist course. I had, I, had, I had an idea of going down the sports injury, sports therapist route. I'd done a, I'd done a short course for 18 months on that um, while doing a little bit of coaching with, with my local team here, one of the senior teams, um, to see how I would get a feel for that. But as I said, you know, went and done the course because I felt I had an interest in that. Um, I completed a course and then realised that's not for me while continuing to do a little bit of coaching over them 18 months with, with my local senior team. So for me, that, that ruled out, you know, an interest that I thought I had. And I suppose the, the coaching kind of came more to 
to the forefront of my mind. Um, as I said, I had been dipping my toes in with, with the local senior team, giving a hand um, to then ultimately taking over a senior team and being a head coach. Um, but there's other, there was other factors. Like I had to, you know, I had to go and get a job for the first time. I ended up working in a local clothes shop. I end clothes shop here in the hall. You're, you're doing your, your, your nine to five, coming home, having your dinner, going out and coaching in the evenings. Really enjoyed the coaching. As I say, got really involved in that and took the local senior team and, and, and had a really good time. And, you know, was there for, for, a number, for two or three years overall. Um, and I also had took on with, with Dundalk, one of the local Dundalk uh, representative teams that went to the, the Kennedy Cup. Um, so got quite involved. And, and at that point, I, you know, before taking the representative team, I had obviously the senior team going. I took the representative team going uh, for, for extra coaching. So I was nearly on the pitch every night because I kind of had, had two coaching positions going. So I signed up for my B licence then because I felt, geez, I've got the bug here. You know, I think I can offer something here, even though I'm young. I was bringing energy and enthusiasm and some thoughts and some, you know, structural things to it. And, you know, for me, the big, the big one, the big, the big seller for me was going into the senior, going into the senior team and, and having an impact on players who are 32, 33, 34, looking at you going, Jesus, you know, he has as well organised here. And we went on and got a promotion and, and we won a cup. So, all these things kind of helped my own personal confidence. And as I said, we took that representative team, which would have been like, you know, the best players within the league at 14. And, you know, we done really well. We done lots of good work with them. Um, it's the first time we kind of had a team that were training three nights a week. So this was all quite new to me. So as I say, you know, got on the B license and really enjoyed the B license. It was such an eye opener because even to this day, like footballers just think they can roll out of football and, and roll straight onto a coaching course. It doesn't work like that. Like I was, you know, we were dealt with 50 assignments. I was like, you know, I was nearly overwhelmed at times with the UEFA B license because the content on, on, on the course was ridiculous. It was over a, over a year and things like video recording sessions, something I'd never done, building session plans, something I'd never really done in terms of you know, everything you had to do was objective-based. Like, I didn't know what an objective was. I, I now know what it is. Um, you know, building periodization plans, 12-week training blocks, doing a match analysis, um, doing a match report on, on, your, on, on, on the next team. Um, you know, a SWOT analysis on yourself. Where do you see yourself? Like, stuff like this. Questions that have never been... Never, you've never been asked because you've never really coached at that level. So, as I said, it was such an eye-opener. But the more I got into it it was like you know I was saying to myself every time I sat down and read out a new set of a new set of goals it was like I want to get this I want to get on my year I want to get into full-time football in five years this was this is where I was going with it you know I really wanted to get kind of my teeth into it you know so yeah so like as I said from 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 there like with the senior team the representative team you know the scene when I'd finished with the senior team we, we finished up around May I still had the representative team running when then we entered the tournament, the Kennedy Cup in July. It's run down in Limerick every year. It's a, it's a, it's a fabulous tournament um, for young players. And off the back of that, um, I was getting ready to go back and, and be involved with, with, with the senior team again. And, and I get a con, you know, I got a call from, from Warren Point at the time. So it's just funny how it all kind of worked. You know, you retired at Warren Point, even though you're there for a short period. 
you go now and you you, you get a what three years experience from a coaching point of view and all of a sudden who's the first contact you know Barry Barry reached out to me and was like Jesus crazy how, how the game works so I suppose that takes me to that stage for you know um kind of transitioning from retiring and and, and, and kind of overcoming some of them challenges and trying to find my feet, you know, trialing out a few things to see that I like it or not. And as I said, ultimately, you know, I got I got that I got the I got the bug back through coaching, um, and I went on and done the B license, and and that takes me to 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 Warren Point. So that's kind of where you know I really start to evolve and progress, um, as as a coach and manager. So just before we talk about your 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 coaching and management time at Warren Point, coaching never really came into your head when you were playing as a player that you thought, you know, whenever I retire, be it later on in the years before you, your condition came prevalent to you, coaching never really came into your head. It just you were just a player. Or did you kind of have that, yeah, little, um, that thing in the back of your so, head? Uh, you yeah. I was so focused on playing. Um, I, I I think I was always going to be involved in football. I just didn't know at what level, uh, how serious I would have took it. Um, so there were some things that you know I kind of needed to find out really quick. But you know, retiring at twenty two, I certainly that wasn't my initial thought. Was remaining, you know, remaining in the game. It was kind of take some time myself. That's why I kind of tiptoed into football with the local senior team and as I said for the first year of that I was kind of assisting a, a good friend of mine and um, he was like you know why don't you come down and just give us a dig out and that's all I did I didn't want to get too um, invested in it because I wanted to give I wanted to give the course I'd signed up there, the sports injury therapist course I wanted to give that some some time and, and I did that but as I said um, it wasn't it certainly wasn't my initial reaction geez you know i'm going to go on and, and be where i am ultimately now you know but but i think it was certainly something i was going to get involved in so you've built up three good years experience and then barry gray gives you a call you're in at one point what was your what was your first role there yeah so barry barry reached out um as i said that just when I returned from the Kennedy Cup in, in, in the summertime, um, and they had just been relegated with that controversial incident um, at the time. I think it was Carrick Rangers. Was it Ross Dunlop? Is that the, is that the referee? Was it, Dun, was it Dungannon? Dungannon Swifts? Dungannon the plate, sorry. Yeah, Carrick, Dungannon. It Carrick was in Hilltown. Yeah, Carrick was playing yeah. in the other, the other game, wasn't it? That was it, yeah. And the, the controversial uh, penalty that was never. Jordan Dane, if you remember, got clattered in the box. And the uh, head the referee gave it the other way and obviously they went down via that decision so they were in the championship um as i say barry had had reached out to to myself to come on board as the first team coach and he'd also reached out to to matthew tipton who had just uh, i think he had just retired um so tippy tippy came on board as the assistant to barry and i was the first team coach then and obviously we had you know remy mark remington was there as the goalkeeping coach so that was our that was a background team um and as I say, you know, my, my, my role was to come in basically and kind of help wherever wherever um, Barry and Matthew felt, you know, I was, ne- you know, was needed, you know. So, um, you know, Matthew would have led quite a lot of the sessions um, and I would have assisted to a certain degree. And Barry, Barry just stuck to the management then, you know. Um, 
So yeah, so that that was that was my first role at the at the club, and it was just it was good. It was a good um, it was a good time just to kind of come in and you know get used to that level of player. Yes, you've played as a player at that level, but for me you now, you know, with a couple of years experience in the coaching at that stage, I had my B license in under my belt. Um, you know, it was an opportunity for me to go in and get a feel for the environment. Obviously, semi-professional with some, you know, with some decent players and, you know, even right down to profiling the squad, signings, you know, all that, involved in all that. That was great and it was a great opportunity and, and learned loads. Um, but a couple of months in, I think, I think it was October, November time, Barry, I think Barry had never said it from the offset. Well, not, not that I was aware of that. His plan was to get us in and get our feet in under the table for ultimately Matthew to take the job, which 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 happened. Barry had stepped down and went back into like like a, a director of football role um, until the end of that campaign. So obviously Matthew had took the took the reins. Um, I remained I remained in position and and um, his now assistant that poured it down, David Miskelly and um, Chris Wright, who was a poured it down, they they come on board. Um, and as I say myself and, and Remy stayed on board so we we formed the, you know the, the the backroom team for the rest of that campaign and obviously we'd won the league well we'd um, we'd won it by by I think 18 points in the end if my memory serves me correct and we'd won the middle of the cup um, in extra time VR Ma. so we had a really good year we, we'd done the double uh, it was excellent really good so that summer, Barry had left the club, had stepped away from the club completely and gone and, and, and took the role at Cliftonville, which was probably a surprise to everybody, um, to be honest, you know, nobody, yeah, me included. You know, normally it's, normally to go from a, you know, a management position to a management position, it makes a lot of sense, but to go from, you know, being in the position he was to a management position, it was, you know, everyone was kind of talked back by it, you know, it wasn't certainly, it wasn't so, I think I was at Hollows when I read it and I couldn't believe it. But that happened anyway. Um, so there was obviously a bit of change at board level regards rules. And Barry had held the club together for 12 years leading into that and took them ultimately to where they were. So you go into the new season that, you know, I'd sat down with the board and they were looking to obviously develop um, the, youth, the youth section and the youth academy at the club, um, which was probably... It was underdeveloped. I think we could say that it was fairly underdeveloped. Um, so the view was that I would remain with the first team um, as, as a first team coach and, and again, be utilised in, in any way that was, was seen to fit, you know. Um, but obviously I had a wee bit more responsibility and a wee bit more uh, involvement with the club overall now because now I could kind of really get my teeth into the academy end of stuff. So... I suppose it was a good um, it was a good progression for me while while I was at the club. You know, as I said before that, I've been making progressions leading into Warren Point from a coaching point of view. But now I was making progressions within the club. So um, so year two, obviously, yeah, got stuck in. We were in Premiership, different kettle of fish. You're up against a higher level uh, team. You weren't winning every week. You know, there was a lot of a lot more weeks we were coming away disappointed than we were jumping with joy. Um, but in the meantime, I always had the, the the academy stuff going in the background, attending games before or fourteen games, um, putting on internal coach education workshops, assessing training sessions, taking some training sessions. So there was a lot for me, which was which was great because 
it was just like, you know, I'm young and I was like a sponge. I was soaking everything up, sharing some of my own ideas, developing some of my own structures. Um, so it was really good, really enjoyable. Um, so that second year I had um, just been accepted onto the UEFA license down here with the, with the FEI. So again, it, you know, there was progression at the club, but also personally there was progression in terms of my, my UEFA badges. Um, so yeah, so obviously I'd, I'd been on the, um, the A license that summer, I think I started that summer. And completed it in February of the following year, um, which was obviously just over halfway point of that season, um, again we'd hit a wee, we we'd hit we we'd hit a wee bad run um, in January, early Feb, and um, yeah, Matthew Matthew um, Matthew mutually uh, agreed to step away from from the club um, and had taken the position of Porter down, which again had probably shocked us all because. You know, he, he had just taken us up. He was doing a, you know, he was doing a good job. Um, we were just outside, one place outside the relegation zone. This was the first time we'd hit a, a major dip. He'd, you know, he'd signed some good players. He'd got, he'd got a tune out of so many good players. Like we'd sold Darren Murray to Crusaders in the, in the mid-season window. We'd sold Stephen Murray in the mid-season window to Glenavon, who was firing, they, both of them were firing some goals in for us. So, off the back of them going and taking a few in and we'd had a wee bit of a dip. So it was, a, it was a surprise to me and a surprise to all of us when, when, when Matthew had, t- I think he'd stepped down directly after the Glen Torn game away where we could stuff five nil. I think we were, we were three down at half time. Um, so yeah, we were all shocked after the game. That was it. Um, Matthew had stepped away the week before Matthew had stepped away. I just received my A license. So, um, that was good time. Chairman. Yeah, yeah, listen, and, and again, the, the, the next part, it was something, it was like, right, okay, another progression, this is, this is incredible, you know, I'd only been there two and a half years, and I was moving on to my, to my, my third promotion, <laughs> so um, I, re- I remember it so, ever so well, um, Conor McGreevy, the chairman of the club, I caught wind of what happened, and I was just in my car, ready to, ready to, Parked outside the Oval, Tuesday night fixture. I can remember horrendous night. Wind was whistling the whole lot. Getting ready to drive home, and my phone goes, Connor, Connor McGreevy. So I says, Connor, what can I do for you? He says, Have you left the ground? I says, I'm just about to pull away here. I'm outside. He says, Well, can you come back in? So I went back in, had a chat, and basically I remember standing right direct behind the back of the stand, and he's like, Listen, Stevie, you know we've been. You know, we've been very happy with the work you've done. We've just heard the news. Um, we're not even going to go and, and look elsewhere. We want you to take the role over um, as interim manager until the end of the season. And at that stage, we were three points outside the relegation zone with eight games left. So it was a big one. And I was like, my, my, the first words out of my mouth was, yeah, no problem. I, you know, the, the, the youth, the naivety in the decision was like, yeah, I'll just take it. No problem. Um, so yeah, from there, obviously, it was announced, announced the next morning, and, and yeah, it was, I remember quite clearly myself. Yeah, it was, um, it was incredible. It was, it was, it was, it was so surreal. I remember getting, you know, getting the getting the role, and the next day, then there was the the beast from the east came in, and 
place was snowed out of it and we had you know we were meant to have a game that Saturday we didn't play till the following Saturday so it was like brilliant it gave me a little kind of moment to, to, to gather a backroom team a little bit of a moment to gather some ideas on where were we where do I feel we need to improve and yeah so from there it was it was brilliant um, as I say went and and, and, and filled the backroom team with with people I met through courses and, and previous experiences and obviously the likes of obviously Remy Mark Mark had stayed involved he'd stayed on with with, with me as ultimately the interim manager to the end of the campaign and then obviously we would assess everything but it went unbelievably well our first game away to, to Balamia and I forget it we won 3-1 came from came from one down to go on and win 3-1 but the style and how we did it you know we really I think we were at that period, it was a it was a massive kind of breath of fresh air. You know, we'd gone in with completely new ideas to the league, and that that's not been disrespectful. It was just we were so fresh and I suppose so young and naive. Like we went and I, I can remember of that first game. Like we played, we played three four three with a box midfield away to Balamina, and I remember David Jeffries scratching his head like at the end of the game. You know, going what just happened there? Like it could have been. Honestly, it could have been five or six. Um, and I remember everybody, I remember all the journals, the reporters, everything were raving after that game as if, like, what's happened here? This has been a transformation. And again, you like I said, we just went in with our ideas and, and we were in and we were like total football, which wasn't really in the league. There was no real total football team who played, uh, you know, took massive risks. We took huge risks because... We could have gone down here in these eight games, but as I said, the way we approached it, and again, it was the, it was definitely the youthfulness and the naivety of, we'll give it a go, you know. And, and luckily for us, we, I think we picked up out of the eight games, I think we, we'd beaten Dungannon, beaten Balamina, we'd beaten Glentoran, and we got, I think, two draws. I think we picked up like 11 points out of them, out of 24, which was a hell of a return because I think we were only on like maybe 22 points at that stage. So we picked up, you know, a third of our points, total points tally was picked up over um, over eight games, you know, which in, in a 38-game season. So we had an unbelievable, um, we had an unbelievable interim period for for three months. Um, and yeah, listen, you know, brilliant wet and holidays, you know, um, come back and yeah, we wanted to, you know, Connor and, and the board have decided we want, we want, we want you to take the job um, on a permanent basis, and sign. That's when I signed a three-year contract with the club, and um, yeah, unbelievable. Like as I said, that was kind of talk about <laughs> talk about you know retiring and not having football coaching at the forefront of your mind. To all of a sudden, five years down the line, you're you're the youngest manager probably in the history of the Irish league after signing the three-year contract, it's, you couldn't write, you know, you couldn't, I couldn't have wrote this stuff, to be brutally honest with you, I couldn't have wrote it. Um, yeah, and then obviously from there, Matt, uh, obviously I got time to work with yourself closely, you were in as the, the reserve coach, um, you were obviously in the round our first team environment um, on training nights and match days as well, so um, obviously you've seen some of the work we would have carried out, and for me it was, it was an unbelievable experience, you know, Entering, you know, your first full year in charge, you've moved on players for different reasons. You've signed players based off 
your style and how you want the team to look. Um, and obviously you want them to carry out your principles as such. Just, just, so, on, just, just on that, Stevie, because I've been obviously very fortunate to be in, in your training sessions, involved in your match day set up and stuff like that. And like, even jumping on, I remember at a training session one night, I think it was the second season you were playing Ballymena away and you were going to play like a, a 3-1, 3-1 or something, you know, something crazy. What was your, when you got the job and you were moving into maybe your set, what was your, your thoughts behind it? Were you just going to go and see what you could do? Were you going to, did you have total football in your head? Because I remember being in some training sessions and I was going like, I've never seen anything or heard of anything like this in my life in the Irish League because it's usually 4-4-2, be direct, 4-5-1, play down the chance. It's never box midfields, play out from the back. And I'm going to myself, how is this going to work? But it was incredible. I just want to know what your, you know, what was your thought process behind all these systems and styles and things like that? Yeah, well, like I suppose we all want to, we, you know, we all watch a lot of football. Um, and look, part of my decision making and understanding is, 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 you know, I know how I tried to conduct myself within the game. Um, I was very, very, you know, I was technically very strong, tactically had a really good understanding of the game as a player. So for me, I wanted my teams to reflect that. And that was, that was why we went and recruited certain players to play this way. Like, you know, I, I was looking at, I, you know, we assessed all the teams in the league and, and we done a percentage on all the different style of plays. And, and obviously, 4-4-2 direct football was, you know, it, 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 it outweighed everything else. So for us, we planned, we planned for that. Um, and what we planned for was, have a numerical advantage all over the pitch by having certain, you know, key principles within certain positions um, and how we carry that out ultimately. So there was, as you say, there was crazy times where we had some crazy ideas. Sometimes it came off, sometimes it didn't. But a lot of the time for us, a lot of the stuff we experimented with, it worked. And for us, it gave us invaluable experience. Um, like at the time, you know, you got to think about it. We were the smallest club, smallest fan base, and, and look, we had the smallest budget. Let's be real about it. Um, so when we focused in on our recruitment, we focused on signing young players who came from good educational backgrounds. So, like, we would have took over the you know, over a number of years, we would have took a lot of players from the dock on the 19s that just weren't ready for their first team, but we knew. Their educational background through football was of a high level. So, obviously, with our methodology and how we coach, as, as, as you know yourself, um, we felt, you know, getting players in at that age, we could really, really expose them to a really good environment. And that's why we tried a lot of, you know, crazy tactical um, ideas. And, look, ultimately, ultimately it worked. Um, more, you know, more so that first year, it really worked. It took time, but it... It really worked, and as I said, like you have all the journals, all the all the um, you know people running podcasts, um, the, you know the, the 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 BBC Sunday show that they did regards all the highlights and that, and you know people are now talking about Warren Point probably playing the most value value for money football 
in the league at that point. Like we'd gone to Linfield and got a one-all draw. They scored in the 96th minute to equalise. You go, that's when they're top of the league. The following week, you go to Glenavon, who are top of the league, and you get a one-all draw. You beat Balaminas, you beat, we beat Cliftonville, score two, two goals in the 90th minute to turn Cliftonville over in Milltown. We beat Coleraine that season. So, like, we had some incredible scalps um, along, you know, along the way in that first season. And as I say, look, it was really all got to do with how we taught. And as I said, it, it does go back to my own playing experience and, and how I wanted to play the game. Like, for me, I wouldn't change anything. And, and going forward, um, I certainly wouldn't change anything. Obviously, you, you know, with experience, you gain things like, you know, right place, right club, right time. Like, you know, you to go in at, at Warren Point again, for example, if I was to get the job tomorrow, would I do it slightly differently? My principles would still be there, but I'd obviously have to assess all the external factors, all the other things that naivety allowed us to, to, to make crazy decisions at the time. But as I said, it, it, like, it paid off and, and uh, it's, it's, it's good quality information stored for, for my next management job. And that's just been honest, you know. Um, yeah. You have to have a style, like, you know, if the way we were looking at it, if 11 teams played 4-4-2 in direct football that season, well, then we're the 12 team. We'll try something different. That was my mindset. You could still only have one winner playing 4-4-2 in direct football. So there was no point um, joining in that. There was no point of having the mentality, you know, you can't beat them, join them. We certainly didn't think like that. We thought, well, if we're going to get success, we're going to get it a different way. And that's... That's how we felt. And like, again, look, it all comes down to even your background team. Like, you know, obviously, Collie was my assistant there. Collie was, you know, caught the same plot regards mindset and how we should develop training sessions. What, you know, like, we're working off animations. We're doing, putting TVs up in dressing rooms so players understood and training objectives and they had a vision of what the training looked like before it even started. Everything was so precise to... To the training night and, and that would all tie in with opposition match reports and you know we would we would identify maybe two areas of, of weakness and we would plan for that so if it was you know if it was if it was a right back or if it was the pocket between the right back and right winger if that was an area where the opposition were weak on transition we we planned for that and we would build the whole training week around that and when you see stuff like that come out in games and you get results, it's like brilliant, you know. Now, a lot of time it might not come out either because we had a really young squad as well, like, you know, so there was a lot of inconsistency. But that first year, as I said, like I named a couple of the scalps. We got to the semi-final of the Irish Cup to only get beaten penalties. Again, that was a lot of, the, a lot of our players' first time in a senior in a senior semi-final, full stop, you know. So, yeah. And um, Nairs probably did get the better of us. It was a stalemate, nil nil, and we got beat penalties. Um, but for our first year, we, we you know we we recorded the, the highest points tally in the club's history to date. Um, we got to the furthest point in the in the Irish Cup to the club, you know, in the club's history to date. So, like for us, it was a, it was an unbelievable year. Um, obviously, what followed then, you know, that that transfer window in the summer. Um, there was huge turnover. Obviously, Simon, you know, like like Aaron McCary had signed for an adult. That just goes to show you what you know. Shanna Foster went to Clifton, but um, Simon Kelly had retired. I'm trying to think, and then obviously, you know, there was a few decisions we had to make, and um, 
for what we thought was going to be the better of where we wanted to go with it. So, unfortunately for us, we weren't able to replace key players. We hadn't got the, the financial muscle to go and compete with other clubs. And, yeah, that followed by, you know, a mini injury crisis um, at the start of that campaign meant we had an absolute atrocious start of the season. And I think we got to game week 12 and that was that was it then. It was curtains after. After match day 12, we got pumped 7-0 by, Cliff, uh, by Linfield sorry, um, on a Tuesday night game. And the next day, ultimately, that was, that was, that was our time up at the club. But, like, you know, to take, it, to take it from the interim period to that first season, which was unbelievable, busting all them records and getting, you know, really good recognition for the work we've done. Like, and the thing for me, Matt, is, you know, like if I was to go back in up the north at, at any point, you know, I think people would understand what what I would give and what I had given. So people would now recognise, well, geez, if you, if, you, if you were to take Steve McDonald into your club, he might look to follow some of these traits. And it's like, you either like it or you don't like it. But as I said, the way the league is going up north now, um, there's a lot more, there's a lot more emphasis on technical and tactical detail. So I think, you know, where we were, what, two, talking about two years ago now, since, since, since my time at the club at Warren Point, you know, where, where, where the game has come up north is, um, it's come very far. So I feel, you know, if I was to go back in at this stage... Uh, you would sit well for now. Yeah, you know, so yeah. as I say, you know, it's developed, you know, the league's developed. I, I've developed personally, I've gained invaluable experience and, and listen, massively thankful to, to Warren Point for, for what they did for my personal um, coaching and managing career because, you know, I held down three roles at the club over a, over a three and a half year period, um, which for me was, you know, was unbelievable experience and it's, it's paved the way for, for hopefully a career in the game as, as a coach at senior football. Um, that's something, you know, that, that I would be passionate about continuing to do. Um, which probably now takes us to, to what have I done since, mm-hmm. since my time at Warren Point. Yeah, you were very, very, uh, you've been very quiet, or could I say under the radar maybe, from your time at Warren Point until your appointment at Dundalk. What? Have you done, or what did you do? I yeah, would probably so, say there was a lot of maybe self development, reflection, things like that. Yeah, massive, massive amount of reflection. Um, attended a couple of of CPD events to try and just further kind of educate and refresh, you know, kind of my experience to date, and and I suppose fine tune, fine tune um, my thoughts going forward um, within the game. So yeah, so like once I once I finished the war on point, I kind of had a six month period where I wasn't involved with any club or or, or any association or anything like that. I'd just been doing some uh, casual coaching through a performance academy here in in Dundalk, um, which we ran once or, uh, twice a week. So just on that again, it was just more finding my feet again. And then Jim McGilton at the IFA had reached out to me. Um, in March, March of last year, um, so I, I I jumped on board with 
with with with Tim and Jared with the IFA with the with the UEFA Academy. So I've been working, I've been working with the guys from from March right through till till Christmas. Just gone there, and um, so it's spent about eight months, eight nine months with them. Um, again, getting uh, in. Was that an Was that all day, like every day thing? Yeah. So obviously, I, I had um, I had basically came on board as the assistant coach with the with the group in Jordanstown and the UEFA group. So I'd work there two days a week, and then I'd go across to the performance uh, school in Dungannon, and um, where I'd carry out a further two days. So I was on board with them four days a week, and then obviously the Sundays they'd take the international squads in and um. Yeah, and basically run run through some sessions with them. So that was kind of my working week, and obviously, you know, Andy, the likes of Andy Waterworth and stuff were involved with that. So it was good to to build them relationships um, from my time at Warren Point. And as I said, you know, it was a for me, it was another way to to open a door and stay relevant. So that's 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 a role I carried out up until Christmas, um, and I suppose really kind of built that relationship with. With Jim, which now takes us to Dundalk. Obviously, when Jim got um, got the position here as a sporting director, you know, he reached out straight away, um, and we discussed about 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 Dundalk and coming on board, you know. And I suppose the position I'm in now, academy manager, you know, it's the reason why it really interested me was, you know, there's there's an array of different roles and responsibilities within one title. Um, you know, like we've got, we've got four, um, we four elite squads from fourteen right through to nineteen. We've a ladies section. We're now in the middle of developing a pre academy model, which will fall underneath um, our first uh, kind of contact age group, which is fourteen. So our acad- our pre academy will fall under that. Um, you're on the pitch every day with the first team. So for me, you know, it was like. Okay, managing a team of senior players, you've got a squad of 22, 24. Managing a backroom team of, uh, you know, of, of a senior backroom team, you might have six to eight staff. This was a, this was a, you know, a complete flip of the coin here. I've got 25 staff to manage across the academy. We're looking at 120 odd players where we have to basically make decisions on, on where we're going with them. Um, developing a pre-academy from scratch. Um, assist them with the first team in any way they see fit. So for me, um, this is a real, you know, opportunity to learn and, and further evolve within the game. It's it's a full time position. It's the first time in football that it's that I've had a really really full time position. Um, like obviously, when is at Warren Point? Yes, the role is full time, but you're only two or three nights a week in a game. I'm on about full time as in. I'm in I'm in Oriel Park sixty hours a week at the minute. So, um, so it's it's really it's really hands on, and that's that's in a you know that's in a in a time where we have a, a pandemic. You're putting sixty hours on a week. We're not even on the pitch with the academy players yet. This is just purely building work in behind the scenes and and, and working with the first team. You're you're already accumulating them types of hours. So, for me, you know, it's it's a it's a massive it's a massive opportunity to. To kind of you know further further evolve and and look listen I I've never worked in in the League of Ireland you know this is my first time so it's an opportunity to build connections um hopefully progress and 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 see where it takes me you know um 
obviously it's not first team football, it's not first team manager position, but as I said, it'll it'll certainly speed up um my understanding and, and hopefully speed up the opportunity to get back into a full-time setting. You know, what I would say is ultimately where do you want to get back to? You definitely want to get back to to, to first team football, even though it's it's very cutthroat. But um I think you know all all of us in football crave that pressure. Um but uh, for 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 this moment in time for me with with everything that's going on in the world and the opportunity that has presented itself, it's a, it's an opportunity for me to really further educate myself. Like I've been just accepted onto um, there's a new course down here with the FEI. It's called the um, UEFA Elite Youth A License. So it's based on to be an academy manager or head of youth, you have to do this license now. So obviously you go right up to you go right up the A license and then obviously you've got pro license after that, but now they've bridged the gap between the pro license and they've cut this one in. So, you know, um, for me, that, that course starts next week. Um, so it's an opportunity for me to gather more knowledge, more content, expand my ideas, manage more people, ultimately manage more players. Um, you know, I turn 29 here at the end of the month, so I'm still relatively young from a, from a coaching point of view, you know, if I'm if I'm to be in this position for three to five years, I'll still be in the early thirties. So, but again, listen, if an opportunity comes along or presents itself with a really, really, you know, whether it's here at the club or whether it's at a another top club, um, you know, in a first team environment, and it's something you can't say no to, well, we we will we'll make them decisions if them decisions, you know, if them decisions are there to be made, but. For now, you know, I've 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 got my eyes kind of really focused on this, and and, and I want to get my teeth stuck into this because it really is a blank canvas, and I really want to to leave it, you know, a good stamp here, you know. So I do see myself in this position for a number of years, but in football, you, you just never know, Matt. As you know, you just never know. Um. So yeah. So look, that that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um. Really enjoyable, lots of work. Um, but listen, that's football. The, the moment you, the moment you stop, uh, you know, is the moment you you become irrelevant. Out of what's the old saying? Out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. Well, Stevie, just before you go, because it's been a fantastic night so far. I've got four quick questions for you, and you can just answer <coughs> them in in two or three sentences of you uh, as wherever you want. Um, have you any advice for young coaches? Um, advice for young coaches in 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 this country, um, in 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 Northern Ireland and in, in the Republic, we haven't got a structure here to be you know full time and get everything to so soon. In England, yes, but here, I believe if you're a young coach, you gotta really really give your time. For you know, you got to give your time for next to nothing. You got to really go in there as a novice and become a, an intern, and and yes, go and educate yourself. But you got to put the you got to put the hours in, whether it's at your local boys club or whether you're lucky enough to be working with an Irish League club or a League of Ireland club, um, or one of their elite aid groups. If you're lucky enough to be in that position, well, brilliant. But as I say, you know, we haven't got a structure here, so for me. You got to you got to have the, the the mindset that you're going to put 
three to five years in here and really, really work to get your badges and really, really work to, to make an impact and get some notice with the work you're carrying out. So my advice would be roll your sleeves up and and um, and work towards that. And what about young players? Have you any advice for young footballers? Because everybody now obviously wants to be a wants to be a footballer, wants to play football, wants to be a footballer. What would your advice to, to young players be? Yeah, listen, it'd probably be very, very similar to, to the young coach, you know. Um, what I would say is never think you've made it. If you've if you've got to somewhere like what I'm saying is if, it, if an ambition is to come through a particular club and make a first-team appearance, don't think that by making your first-team appearances, you know, you've ultimately got to the, you know, the land of success because it's certainly not. It's only started. If, if, if anything, it adds more pressure. Um, so, yeah, look, never, never, never stand still with your goal setting as a player. You always got you always got to plan for the bigger picture. Where do you see yourself? in 10 years and then you start working towards 10 years and, and see where it takes you um, because there will be setbacks along the way it's how you deal with them and there will be a lot, you know moments of you know moments of um, of, of proudness I suppose regards you know whatever goals you may set out so yeah so listen never never accept that you've got to you've got to a specific level always have the bigger picture in mind that's what I would say <coughs> And obviously, you're you're head of academy at Dundalk, so you're in charge of of players and coaches. If you're going to uh, sign a young player, what are the three or four things that you that you would look for? Well, I think um, I think personality is, is is something I would always look for. Um, you know, good good personality, good personal traits, good manners. Um, that'd be obviously one of the key things. Application application to the you know to the, to the training sessions application to wanting to learn more application in their own video analysis in their own the gym so applying themselves accordingly at, at every opportunity um but for me ambition having that little bit of that little bit of drive um you know not just happy been in an environment because you're training three four nights a week and you're getting video analysis gym good coaching exposure to elite football not just being happy with that but saying you know what I'm going to be in training in the mornings with the first team having that little bit of determination to go and make that happen I think there are, there are three things that I always look for um, in football certainly for young footballers and if you're going to recruit a new coach what does what does the coaches have to have to have to be uh attracted by by Dundalk or the likes of yourself? Again, probably the first thing, because I would consider myself very similar to what I'm going to say, very open-minded. Um, you, can, you can never know everything about football. Nobody knows everything about football because it's impossible. The game evolves year on year. Um, but coming in with a, with a really open mind because we all set out and coach and we all have our, our own very very different styles and, and, and different ways of delivery and different ideas. But sometimes by having an open mind, you might go into you might go into an environment where there's a structure in place and you need to kind of tie in with that structure. Um, so I think being open-minded to to the very different um, scenarios that are that are posed at different clubs. So 
you have three different clubs, three different scenarios, and you'll have to adapt differently to every single one of them. But if you go in with a closed-minded, the one common trend is you'll not last long in any of the three clubs. But if you go in with an open mind, you might learn some stuff along the way. But as I said, that's where you, you build up your, your, your knowledge of, of how football clubs run. So open-mindedness would be key for me within, within a coach. Um, again, personality is massive. Like, you know, young players, even senior players, they want to be able to have a relationship with, with the coach. So having a, a really good personality goes a long way in football. Because if you're always serious, you're always seen as a serious coach. If you're a joker, you're always seen as a jo- the joker of you know of a coach. So for me, you got to strike a nice balance. But if you can get your personality balanced, um, players feed off feed off that energy. Um, if you can get the balance right, because there's always a, there's always time, there's always moments for 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 different reactions, as as you well as you're well aware. Mm-hmm. Well, so there would be for me key things. Fantastic. Well, that is our night come to an end, and I just want to say a massive thank you. It's been fantastic. It's been a, the best bit of an hour and a half that you've given to us, which is incredible. So thank you very much, and we wish you all the very best in your new role at Dundalk, and we hope we hope you have lots of success. No worries, Matt. Thanks for having me and um, a pleasure. And as I say, our, our paths will cross soon, I'm sure. And um, keep awesome up the good work. Thank you very much.